You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us on this episode is fellow Bucks Nation member. And if you have not gone to BucksNation.com and read his write-up on Brashad Perryman, pause the podcast, go do that, then come back because it's some of the best work he's ever done. It is Bailey Adams. Bailey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, and I don't know how to follow that intro other than to say thank you, because not a lot of people will talk about me like that. Well, I do, because I appreciate <laughs> I, what I you do. I agree with him. David, I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, well, we are here to talk about a little bit of Buccaneers news, and since David and my last episode when we were uh, getting through all of your voicemails, the Buccaneers have signed Shaq Barrett. They have signed Earl Watford. They have signed Kentrell Bryce. They have brought back uh, Nunez Roaches. They brought back uh, David. Help me. Who was the other one? Um, Devontae Harris. Thank you. I wanted to say Dwayne, and I knew that was wrong. Um, yeah, they they made a couple of moves, and let's go ahead and start at the top. the The guy that's going to be obviously the the biggest impact guy for the Bucks out of these players is going to be that of Shaq Barrett. He had a pretty solid, you know, few years with the Broncos up and down. He, he's not some kind of crazy sack monster, but he does have the ability to get to the quarterback. We've seen some highlights circulating on Twitter of him getting after Russell Wilson and getting after Tom Brady and, and things of that nature. So, Bailey, we'll start with you since you're the guest. Kind of your initial reaction of, of the signing of Barrett and what you think he'll bring to the team. Um, I actually really like the signing. Just once I did my research on Shaq Barrett, um, seeing that he was a little bit um, stocked up behind, backed up behind Vaughn Miller. Obviously he's not going to get a lot um, of time there, but in the time that he did get with, with Denver, seems like he's got the, the talent and the explosiveness to, to get after the quarterback. And honestly, I think it's, it's definitely, as, as a lot of people are saying, it's like a good value signing for the Bucks because not having a lot of cap room, um, trying to break in a new defense, a new defensive coordinator, I think it's it's someone that that will fit the scheme and someone that will kind of help the process um, ease along the process of easing into everything. David, how about you? What do you what do you think about good old Shaq? Yeah, I mean he's he's a guy who you know played well sparingly in Denver and and as as you know I'm from Colorado so I have a lot of friends back home in Colorado who are Broncos fans and because they're Broncos fans I kind of keep one eye on the Broncos from time to time and he's a guy who a lot of Broncos fans liked and saw a lot of potential in. So it's, it's almost interesting just that he was even available to be honest with you. But uh, I mean, I, I like pretty much everything that, that Jason White is doing right now with this roster is really just kind of fleshing out the depth. And those are going to be the guys that kind of turn the cranks on the gears of, the, of all the new things that Bruce Arians and his coaching staff bring in for 2019. So it's, it's cool to see. And I, I really like the fact that they were in on a lot of edge rushers, like guys like Marcus Golden, uh, even though he didn't come to Tampa, you know, the reports that they were talking to him and stuff like that, it's encouraging because um, it kind of supports the whole 
mantra of what Bruce Arians has been saying since he got in. So the more you see the team following through on what the new head coach is preaching, the more comfortable I think people should feel that the two of them are, are on the same page versus hearing the head coach say one thing and then seeing the general manager bring in players that fit a different thing. Uh, just it's, it's, a, it's a good change for once. One of my initial reactions to now that you mentioned that, David, is um, a lot of the, the replies on Twitter when the Bucks announced they had signed Shaq Barrett was a lot of Denver fans saying, you guys are lucky, like you guys got a good one, wish he would have gotten more time here. And that was one of those things where I was like, there's so much overwhelming positivity there. I was like, let me look at this guy. Let me look this guy up and see what we're really getting here. And everything that I saw on him kind of backed that up. Um, they seemed like they're going to miss him just like the same, the same way that when uh, San Francisco signed Quan, Bucks fans were over there saying, Oh, we wish we would, we wouldn't be able to hold on to him. But um, I think anytime you see that for a guy, um, it usually is a, a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as when a, you see as that, opposed to uh, Redskins fans who laughed at Buccaneers fans when we got Chris Baker. Yeah. And just all fans in general, when the Bucks got Deshaun Jackson. Off season champions. Yeah. Yeah. But not this year. So, you know, burn, burn the whole facility down, start from scratch, complete rebuild, maybe even move them to another city just to, you know, just get rid of it all because this year they're not the off season champs because they're not spending enough money. But when they spend money, it's always Jason Light's fault that the team is terrible. Right. Do I have that right? Sounds about right to me. Okay. That's, that's, I don't agree with that take at all. Hot takes only, David. Hot takes only. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and, and kind of going back, I, I am excited about the the Shaq Barrett signing. It, if you, I don't know if you guys saw the video or not that the Bucks posted of him going in and, and signing the contract and talking to the camera a little bit. I mean, Todd Bowles' face looks like a kid that just got a bicycle on Christmas. Like he's just smiling from ear to ear when when Shaq walks in. So. Obviously, he's excited to get to get Barrett in there. And, you know, I, I've seen people talk about how linebacker is in a position of need. And, David, you and I have talked about it numerous times. When you're switching to a 3-4 and, and you only have one starting linebacker, obviously linebacker is a need. They lost Quan. You know, we, we still don't know exactly how they're going to use JPP or, or Carl Nassib as far as outside linebacker or defensive end. You know, they have Buchanan who can – move from safety to, to linebacker. He's, he's that money backer position. So, you know, all these things play into each other. So to have somebody like Shaq Barrett that can come in and make an impact and to get it for, for such a great deal, as far as the cap is concerned, I thought it was just, it was a ridiculously solid move by the Bucks. And I know I bash on them a lot, but David, you utilize pro football focus to, to some extent as part of the, the, whole picture not just the sole you know grading system or or whatever people that rely on it you know solely based on their grades or aren't exactly doing it right as you said it's an evaluation tool to you know it's a it's a piece of the puzzle I guess is what I'm trying to say but they had uh they had graded this signing based on Barrett's productivity and then the money that the Bucks were spending they graded it as an elite signing so you know, again, I have my issues with with pro football focus, but for those that really enjoy it, you know, there is a, a little nugget there. 
Yeah, I think that was interesting too, seeing that earlier. Um, they said it was an elite deal, and I have the numbers here. Um, his rankings and his grades for the last three years, as much as flawed as their grades can be, I think they are a, a pretty good tool to just have the, as conversation pieces, I guess. And one that sticks out to me is 2016, he was ranked ninth um, among linebackers, and then 2017, he was 18th. Last year, he was tied for 22nd. And as a guy who really wasn't a consistent player for, or wasn't a, in there consistently for Denver, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, I mean, something I like about the way that Pro Football Focus does their grading is that they do use context uh, as, as as a weight, as a weighted uh, value, and I think that's important. You know, um, we, we talked about this before. Uh, a tackle, a tackle on third, or a, a tackle for loss on uh, third and one is more valuable than a tackle for loss on first and ten. Um, they're both good, obviously, but one weighs a little bit heavier on the on the outcome of the game and therefore on the grade. But what I don't necessarily like is the way that they don't take into account the chain reaction of things. Like one guy missing a run fit can cause another guy to look out of place or miss a tackle because like, it's, it, they go hand in hand. And that's something that they don't do, which I suppose would be really hard to really add into your evaluation because at the end of the day, you don't 100% know exactly where everybody's supposed to be. You can, you can use experience and knowledge of the game too say that judging from the way this happened, he should have been here. Uh, but the further away you get from the ball, the harder it is to really know if a guy uh, messed up a play. Unless you get guys out there who just, like, throw their hands up at each other and, like, oh, look, that guy messed up because everybody's throwing their hands up at him. Like, you know, when when you go offside against Carolina, something like that. <laughs> just all kinds of shade at Chris Baker in this episode. Yeah, it's just happening, too. It wasn't playing. I, I kind of like it, though. <laughs> You're going to turn hey, him I, in the tweet. Either wrong. I don't hate it. You know, everybody knows my feelings on Chris Baker. Um, okay, so the the other Buck signings, real quick, we'll hit on them um, before we move on to our to our next topic. Earl Watford, Kentrell Bryce. You know, these are these are depth signings. You know, short term. You know, depth along the offensive line, depth in the secondary. Uh, Bryce will be a special teams contributor. Uh, other than that, I mean, not really. Not really too much to dive into. Obviously, Watford knows the, you know, the offensive system that Bruce and Byron Leftwich are going to run from his time with with Bruce in Arizona. But outside of them just being kind of depth signings and and building up the roster, you know, do you guys have anything you want to touch on regarding either one? I think for me, just with Watford, um, yeah, he's a depth guy. But I think it's important to have that versatility as a depth guy. And, you know, he's played, uh, he's played at guard, he's played at tackle. So I think that's a good thing for the Bucks to have, especially with the shape the offensive line is in, not knowing whether DeMar Dotson is going to be able to stay healthy, not knowing what's going to happen at right guard. So with the situation they're in, I think it's a, it's obviously like a low risk signing, but I think it, it's a, it's a good one that the Bucks needed to make. Yeah, I, I really like it just in, in the aspect of this kind of, again, it kind of fits, Bruce Arians and, and his history, you know, there's, there's examples throughout his career of bringing a guy who has experience of what he wants to do into the fold to help the younger guy who doesn't necessarily have experience of what he wants to do and become another coach in the room that the players respect because he is a player. He's wearing the pads and he's doing the drill. So when he's kind of pulling them aside and saying, Hey, listen, let me clarify some things. You're looking at a guy who's in the mud doing it with you versus a guy holding a clipboard, you know, 
uh, wearing the pullover who's not doing it with you. And I think another thing too is that it shows that Bruce respects that player, not just as a player, but as a, as a man, as a person, and as a presence in the locker room. And, and sometimes those things get overblown, but sometimes they also get undersold. Uh, the, your presence in the locker room, I mean, you get a cancerous personality in the, lo- in the wrong locker room, and it can really kind of divide things. So I think Bruce and Jason are really doing a lot of good things, putting key veterans in positions and in, in position groups that are going to basically help kind of amplify the coaches' messages uh, to the players while at the same time getting the job done. So I just – I think it's really cool what they're doing, and I know a lot of people it's, you know, Tampa Bay Cardinals or whatever. But, again, if if the Buccaneers get a 10 and 11-win season out of it, I'm okay with you calling them the Tampa Bay Cardinals because uh, that those are pretty good pretty good years. To me, I think it feels a little bit different, too, as everybody's making the comparison about Lovey Smith coming in and bringing back all of his Bears guys. To me, the signings that – that the Bucks have made so far. Yeah, they've played for Bruce in the past. They've played for, for Todd Bowles in the past. But it seems like they're on – they're kind of more in, like, role-player roles than they are being the stars of the team, being the guys that the Bucks are going to depend on to make or break the season. I feel like with Lovey Smith, you, know, you brought in Chris Conte to be a starting safety, be a key contributor on defense. Um, as much as I like Josh McCown, you bring him in as your starting quarterback and just hand him the job, basically – it feels a little bit different to me. So I think the, the comparisons between Lovey bringing his Bears guys back and, and Bruce bringing his uh, Cardinals guys in, it doesn't feel the same to me. I don't know what you guys think about that. That is a very – I like that observation a lot. Yeah, I, I saw somebody on some comments. I've <clears throat> I have unfollowed, I think – six or seven Buccaneers fan groups on Facebook, just because every time I see the stupidity, it makes me angry. Not to mention the inability to use the proper forms of words, which has just really set me over the edge. Um, Right. Um, But yeah, I said somebody, or I I saw somebody had said that, you know, it's, it's Lovey Smith 2.0. And I'm just like, that's not, that's not what's happening. That's not what's going on. Because, yeah, with, with Lovey, like you said, it was Conti and it was McCown. And and um, there were a couple of corners. Um, and I, for the life of me, can't remember who now. And then the uh, the linebacker that he brought in from Dallas that Quan basically stole the job from in, in training camp. Yeah, it was like you said, Bailey, he was bringing in all these guys to be starters. Whereas we're seeing with, with Bruce, I mean, I think Buchanan – uh, is probably a starter right now. But, David, like you've said, the the less guys that you have to implement a new system with, the better. You know, you're bringing in some of these veteran guys that can help speed the process along and help their fellow players, you know, learn what we're, what they're trying to do offensively and defensively. It's, it's that whole, you know, students learn better from students because they're not afraid to ask questions rather than, and with the teacher kind of thing, yeah, you know, that we've we've touched on before. So yeah, I think Bailey, I think that was a, a great point on your part that yeah, this is this is very different from what Lovey Smith did. And it's not like we didn't see the same thing with Dirk and, and Mike Smith either. Yeah, it's the same thing. What pay attention to any coaching change. Any coaching change across the NFL, guys are gonna bring in coaches that they're familiar with and players that they're familiar with. Every time. It's this is not a Buccaneers only thing. All right, and before we close things out, um, you know, Bailey, we'll we'll start with you again. Um, 
kind of the the viewpoint from a lot of these these signings is that there are these one year deals, two year deals, and a lot of people are saying they're proven deals. I've been using the term bridge deals. I mean, ultimately, how do you how do you see that playing out? Because you know, let's say Barrett and and Buchanan and all these players just have incredible seasons. I mean, are are the Bucks putting themselves in a more difficult position for next year? Or, you know, should we just kind of trust that they know exactly what they're doing here? I think for me, I'm basically of the opinion that to just trust what they're doing. I think it, it more is like a – I don't see it as so much as a prudent deal. I, I like the term bridge deal like you, you mentioned. Um, I think it's – a lot of it has to do, I think, with the cap situation that they were in and just kind of putting off anything um, till next year, hopefully when they, they have a clearer idea of what they're going to do, whether – Joe McCoy's gone and you have his cap cleared. Um, they have, if they have Jameis Winston's contract figured out, if anything else happens where you lose a big contract and they have more space next year, yeah, if Buchanan or Shaq Barrett, if they have a huge year, obviously they're probably going to be pretty happy with the way things went under this staff and, and Tampa. So they're probably going to want to come back. The Bucks are going to be happy with their production. So I think they're kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, a good bridge deal to, to kind of just see where they are. I, it's I'm basically describing a prove it deal, I guess, but I think a lot of it comes down to it being the just the situation they were in with the cap and knowing that next year they'll have a much clearer uh, view of how far away they are from really contending and um, just what they'll need overall personnel wise. How about you, David? Yeah, I think I think that's the the right way to kind of look at it. It's you know they're they're kind of stacking the deck and hedging. I mean they're 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 betting on two options at once. I mean, they have these veteran presence or they have, or they have these veterans that are already there and kind of have the experience and, and all that. And, you know, we've talked about Jason Pierre Paul, the guy who, you know, the New York giants, at least the rumor, I don't know if it's ever really confirmed, but the thought was they started shopping him because they didn't think he could transition to a three, four successfully. Well, now he's in Tampa and there's they're transitioning to a three, four. So is he going to be successful or is he not? Well, if he's not, but a guy like Shaq Barrett or, you know, whatever draft pick they bring into the fold or, or somebody else is able to be successful and kind of in his place, then you have the opportunity to move on from Jason Pierre-Paul uh, at the end of the season or even mid-season if you can move him, you know, whatever, what have you. Uh, and if none of them are successful, you can just completely wipe the slate clean with zero dead money and zero real repercussion and just kind of move on from there. And if you're lucky, maybe one of those guys shows enough that they get signed and, now we're back in the comp uh, compensatory pick conversation and all that. So it's really kind of a, a no lose for the future because coming into next season, the Buccaneers are going to know exactly what they have and exactly how these pieces fit in what they're trying to do. The only way they might lose is if it turns out none of nobody fits and the whole season is just uh, a disaster and the Buccaneers moved to London. You had to go with London. Why not St. Louis? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, as we are recording, we do have breaking news uh, in in real time here. Uh, Blake Bortles has signed with the Los Angeles Rams. Bailey, heck thoughts? yeah, heck yeah, he's gonna win himself a ring. Oh, uh, I forgot he's a UCF guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Ah, uh, Jesus, let's get a real opinion, David. Blake Bortles to the Rams. Thoughts? Um, that's interesting. 
that's that's a football signing. <laughs> that a is indeed player. a football signing of a football player by a football team. Play football. <laughs> to I mean, know, I guess, you will, you like, will not play he, football, Bailey. Hey, he's up on him. <laughs> I guess if you look at it, I mean, uh, you know, if, if Jared Goff, if something happens to Jared Goff, they've got a guy who at least has starting experience. Um, so he can play and has experience. Um, wasn't I mean, wasn't one of his biggest problems with Jacksonville overthrowing and missing wide receivers? And the Rams have, like, no receivers over six feet tall, I don't think. Um, maybe Josh Reynolds. But, yeah. Cool. Give me Sean McVay's next project. If Sean McVay turns Blake Bortles into Super Bowl caliber quarterback, then uh, Bruce might have to rename his book. (laughs) All right. And finally, before we wrap things up, guys, um, Fitzmagic is staying in Florida, just not with the Bucs. He is is joining the Miami Dolphins. Bailey, what, what were your thoughts on, on Fitz being the starter in Miami? I saw it and I was like, huh. Good Just hand, you were, I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not going to be anything long-term. I think it's going to be, I think Miami's going to take a quarterback and things are going to be, uh, get to a point where everyone's impatient and kind of like we saw, we've seen it everywhere in the last few years. I think Fitzpatrick might start a few games, maybe six games, maybe this season, but then, I don't see the two years, the two year deal. I don't see it being completely played out as him being the starter. All right, over under five and a half games started by Fitzpatrick this year. David, go. Over. Over Bailey. I think just over. I think the my Miami's in bad shape to begin with, so I don't think this year really matters. Yeah, I think this sets them up to draft a redshirt quarterback. Um, I think what five. it really does is it takes the not, well, see, yes. actually, I think what it does is it takes the pressure off of them to trade to have to trade up uh, and over overpay to trade up. I don't, I don't think that you know that Miami would be completely out of the realm of trading up for a quarterback. But I think that if a team is looking to fleece them, uh, so to speak, to get to get their draft pick, I think the signing of Fitzpatrick gives them as much of a safety net as you can find on the free agent market for quarterbacks. Really, uh, at this point you know, to to not have to do that because you also have quarterbacks coming out next year. I mean, someone made a comment about this, puts them in the running for, uh, what was his name, Tua out of Alabama for next year type of thing. And that may Trevor very Lawrence well be, but I year? think the huh? No, I think he's two years out. Okay. Um, yeah, I might be wrong with that. But I, th- I want to say he's probably looking at 2021. But I think I really think that's what right. this does for Miami. Yeah. I think it just it keeps them from having to sell the farm uh, to draft up to draft one of these quarterbacks, and if one of them falls, then they can take them as is. Or if they, you know, if 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 the team trying to quote unquote fleece them finds that you know there's really no other trade partners out there, it'll kind of get them to come down on their asking price possibly. So uh, I think it's a smart move by by Miami overall. And then the great thing is now we just need like a midseason trade the Patriots and Fitzpatrick has the entire AFC East covered. 
I think they're they're doing a little rope-a-dope here. I think they're lulling uh, the Giants into a false sense of security, and they're going to jump one spot in front of them and take Dwayne Haskins. Also, breaking news, as we are recording the podcast, Steven Stamkos has just broken the Lightning franchise record for most goals in a career. This is a Buccaneers oh. podcast. I don't know why we're talking about. Who are the Buccaneers? Uh, we're talking about the one winning team in Tampa. Uh, it's a nice reprieve <laughs> for our listeners to hear about the the sports team in Tampa that wins games. Playoff season. Yeah, uh, really playoff season, beard season. I'm not allowed to grow a beard. Try myself to sleep season if they don't win the Stanley Cup. Oh god, I'll 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 ooh, I don't know what I'll do. I might disappear for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that guys we are uh we are out of time so let's go ahead and wrap this up bailey where can everyone find you on that glorious social media on the twitter machine you can find me at bailey j adams 22 and you can find all my work at bucksnation.com go read my brashad Perriman piece because i spent some time on that and uh, i've got my draft my first draft pro- profile of our series coming out uh tomorrow as you're listening to this it'll probably be out so We'll give that a look. Yeah, uh, for sure. Check out the Brashad Perryman. For those of you on the fence or you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, he hasn't done anything or he's a draft bust or whatever, check out Bailey's deep dive into Brashad Perryman. It really is very, very good. Um, and, of course, you can check out everything that David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com as well. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks at Bucks underscore nation. Send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Please try to keep them in that 60 to 90 second range. They get too much longer. It's going to be tough for us to be able to play them on the show, especially when we do these voicemail episodes and we're going through four and five of them at a time. So please try to keep them to 60 to 90 seconds, family friendly so that we can get them on the air. Hope you all have a wonderful day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.